This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You're listening to Valley Football First and Goal, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference on the lineupmedia.fm network. Now, your host, Kelly Burke. Welcome to the MVFC First and Goal podcast. I'm Kelly Burke, and we are in the midst of an unprecedented season in college football, or what I should really say is lack thereof. Missouri Valley Football Conference is playing the bulk of their season in the spring, with the exception of a few games here and there this fall for non-conference. We just saw North Dakota State play one of those games this past weekend against Central Arkansas. And so only fitting, we bring on one of the best former Bison quarterbacks in Brock Jensen. Brock, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Kelly. Brock, what does post-football life look like for you day-to-day now? Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm married and settled down in uh, Lionel Lakes, Minnesota, which is just a uh, north suburb of uh, uh, Minneapolis area. And um, uh, my wife, Kayla, um, met her at NDSU, and we decided to settle down in, in Lionel, which is where she's from, living here now, um, and yeah, just enjoying life. I'm a financial advisor over at Edward Jones, and um, Kayla's working as a second grade teacher in the elementary school that she actually went to as a kid, so. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so life's good. We got a uh, we got a little little dog, little pup named Frisco. Oh, and I love it. Oh, yep, yep, yep. So we got our fur baby. We figured we'd we'd start off that route and see how it goes, and <laughs> maybe progress along along the road sometime. But yeah, life's good. What a fitting name, Frisco. Yep, yep. I uh, she said you get to name the first dog, so of course I you know took advantage of that and yeah. said Frisco's a, a great name and. Uh, obviously a place that means a lot to me so figured it it went well <laughs> what type of dog is she she's an english setter oh nice so yeah actually going hunting with her in a couple of weeks here so it'll be her first time out in the field so we'll see how she does you were telling me in college you were actually an education major and yeah. so obviously now you're in, in the financial planning area so yep. how did you make the transition to that field? I've always had just a, a passion for um, just finance and then also just, you know, um, wanting to help people. So, you know, two of those big things kind of collided and I kind of got softly recruited um, by a guy by the name of Randy Smith, who is one of my best buddies, uh, dad, who's been with Edward Jones for 40 years. And he's like, I know you're going to, you know, play football for a little while and do the pro thing. And, you know, when you're done, think about it though. You know, I think you'd be a good fit for, um, you know, in this career and, um, you know, it could be pretty rewarding for you. And um, yeah, I just, you know, obviously when I decided to hang out my cleats, I molded over and, and made the decision to you know, become a financial advisor with Edward Jones. And uh, yeah, it's just been a great uh, start to, um, to that new career and new journey and really enjoying it. And um, yeah, I love what I do for sure. When you decided to hang up the pads, how did you know that it was time? It's hard. I mean, I don't think you ever really truly know, you know, but uh, for me, I think it was just a, an accumulation of a few different things. Um, you know, one being my shoulder was, I kind of went through the ringer. And obviously, you know, if you're a professional quarterback, you, you need your money maker, of course, you know, to be working pretty well for you. And, uh, you know, I, I um, just went through a lot and tried to rehab it. And um, it just wasn't probably 100%, you know, um, in my pro career. And, um, and yeah, so that was one of the reasons. And then um, ended up reporting for my third season up in the CFL. 
and um, they actually were trying to trade me to Toronto. And um, I had been to Toronto, obviously traveled there in the first two years of my career and just didn't really see myself as a fit over there. And um, I was uh, just a newly married guy and um, kind of a whole bunch of different things kind of hit me and just said, you know what, I'm, they don't have all my eggs in one basket. You know, football's treated me really well, great for my time, and just decided to hang it up, you know. And it, it worked out well, you know, we, we came off winning the Grey Cup the year before, so kind of got to finish out on top, you know, just kind of like, uh, you know, my, well, my high school career and college career, so, and then my pro career, got to finish out winning the championship, so, you know what, I don't have any regrets, um, but yeah, it's, it's still tough to hang it up, you still miss it every day, uh, some aspects to it, uh, obviously in the pros, it gets to be a little bit different, definitely business, and can be kind of ruthless, but, uh, you know, like I said, I'm grateful for my time wearing the cleats and, um, yeah, it was a good experience for sure. That's always one of the hardest transitions that I think there is for a college athlete, especially is, is if, even if you're not going on to the professional level to have to transition from mm-hmm. playing sports at a really high level to all of a sudden you're not. So yeah. what, what advice would you have for other football players out there, whether they're, at the college level, ending their career and in, in the professional ranks. You nailed it. I mean, it's a hard transition regardless of when you decide to be done and hang it up. Uh, maybe you don't get that decision. Maybe it's just kind of an abrupt ending. And I just, I just think it's important to have your identity in something else outside of whatever sport you're in. You know, whether it's football or track and field or baseball or hockey or golf, right? Whatever, whatever it is, um, you know because it's so easy. I mean, you play the sport your whole life, right? I mean, from little on, and then all of a sudden you're kind of progressing, and then maybe you get an opportunity to play for your high school team, and you're a standout, and then all, okay, now colleges are looking at you, and you keep progressing through the ranks, and you just kind of wrap yourself up, and, and, you know, your identity can kind of be lost. It's like, oh, I'm I'm a football player, you know what I mean? That's, you know what I mean? That's who people, uh, how people see you, Um, but um, you know, I, I think just, you know, it's kind of a hard transition regardless. Um, but I just think, you know, that's the first thing that comes to my mind, Kelly, is just try not to just identify yourself as that and just, you know, find, you know, find a bunch of different hobbies, find other passions, right? I mean, um, as as much, you know, it's just like kind of like the um, kind of the cliche, make sure you have plan B, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, whether that's, you know, reverting to, you know, taking – um, and putting your education and your degree to use or, you know, finding a different passion, whether it's a different avenue of work, um, just kind of figure out what your passion is and pursue that, um, you know, 100%. Because no matter how long you play, I mean, it comes to an end at some point in time, right? And so uh, when it when it when that time comes, it kind of hits you like a brick. And it's like, a, it's kind of like, now what, you know? type of thing so um, I just think that it's important to just not be consumed in your sport and just have that as your identity but really be versatile in in your passions and figure out kind of who you are outside of your your sport. You mentioned the championships that you've won over the course of your your life and your career and correct Mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong I believe it's five I believe it it started in high school for you and and you won obviously three titles with the Bison and then yep. went and won the, the Grey Cup uh, when you're in the CFL. How do you weigh the championships in comparison with each other? Because it's, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's one thing to win one championship. That's, I mean, some people would love to just win one, and you got a chance to win five. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I get asked that a lot, and I think, um, 
you know, I was actually fortunate enough too, like early on in high school, my sophomore year, to be a part of a state championship. So won two state championships in high school, right? And they all have their wow. they all have their different meaning though. And it's it's pretty cool because like obviously high school, you're kind of, you know, you're growing up with the with your buddies around you and you're going to the games and you're going to Friday night lights saying, Hey, someday that's gonna be me, you know, me and you out there, you know? And and, uh, you know, you look at those high school guys like they're pros, and I just remember, like, gosh, I can't wait to grow up and just put on the blue and white and, and play for my high school. And, and so, I, you know, obviously you grow up and you, you get to that point and you play, and it's just awesome, and, and you compete. And, you know, for me it was fun to have some success. You know, at my school had a great experience and, um, you know, again, was able to get recruited to the next level and, and, then, and then have that next level experience of college. And you get there and – um, now you're you're playing with some of the elite players in their specific state and in their areas, and you kind of come together and you form this common goal of all right, now we're trying to win a championship together. You know, at this level, and you develop a brotherhood there, and it's like um, very hard to describe. It's very special and a unique thing to be a part of just a college football program, and especially NDSU, uh, where I think we do it differently than everybody else culture-wise, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a fun deal. And then you go through college and you develop all those lifelong relationships. And um, and then, you know, if you get an opportunity in the pros, you you do and you, you go do that thing. And it becomes a little bit different dynamic, too, because everybody's got families and it's just it, it changes. So so each level, like kind of just circling back, each level it changes. And I'd say, you know, with each one of those rings that I have, it kind of represents a different memory in my time. And, um, you know, everyone is special you know, in their own, in their own regard and in their own way. And um, yeah, it's just fun to kind of, to kind of look at each one and um, just kind of reflect on that specific year and some of the, some of the brothers that you, that you'll have for life and, uh, and some of the experiences that um, you can't put a price tag on. When you're reminiscing on your Bison football career, which game or two stands out the most? That's a tough one. There's a lot of good ones. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'd say, um, I'd say Minnesota. Uh, my my sophomore year was a big game. It was kind of a a little bit of a, a foreshadow of some of what you know the successes that we would have later on in our in our career. You know, in my recruiting class and and the recruiting class above me and and so on, and and just kind of you know set the tone of maybe what we're here to do at the Division One level. You know, and I know we had some other big wins leading up to that. You know, that second Minnesota win, but. Um, you know, I I, th- I think that was a a pretty good um, just foreshadow of what was to come, and so that one was a fun one that stands out. Um, both Georgia Southern games, obviously the semifinal games were huge. Um, you know, one was special for me my sophomore year, um, just having the flu and battling. You know, being the sickest I think I've ever been in my life. I mean, it was awful, and uh, just battling through that and. Uh, finding a way to actually win pretty big. I mean, I think if we play that same team back in 2011, that Georgia Southern team, 100 times, I mean, we maybe beat them 35-7 to like we did once or twice. I mean, I truly think – I mean, they were a really good team. Yeah. To come out, you know, and win by 28, that was – you know, we were pretty (laughs) clicking on all cylinders, you know, for sure. But – so that was a fun memory. And then, obviously, the next year, this game against them, the same thing, you know. Um, the fourth and Frisco play, right, where game's on the line and score a touchdown and um, get a big defensive stop and, and end up winning, winning the game and going to Frisco again. So I'd say those are a few. And then obviously, you know, last but not least is Kansas State, you know, that one. 
that one was a big win. Obviously going in, you know, senior year, high expectations coming off a couple of championships and having to go down to Manhattan and Bill Bill Snyder's, uh, you know, the the place that he built and um, and take down him him and the boys was uh, that was a pretty big win win for us and just the fashion that we did it was just good old bison football, you know, and um, you know that was a pretty pretty fun one, pretty memorable. It's interesting because I was I was talking to Mike Kern, who's the associate commissioner of, of the Missouri Valley Football Conference, and he brought up the Kansas the K State game and that win. Mm-hmm. And he said that was really the game. He's been the the associate commissioner for years upon years, so that was really the game that took not only North Dakota State but Valley football to the next stratosphere as far as nationally and and being respected as sort of the SEC of the FCS. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, um, you know, it was a big stamp just not only for our, you know, legacy at NDSU and the program win that, you know, we were able to have that night. But like you said, I mean, we represented the Missouri Valley that night too. And, uh, you know, just kind of, kind of gave a little, uh, you know, just a little, little bit of a, um, uh, a heads up on these F- FBS programs of, uh, hey, you want to put us on your schedule, go ahead. But, uh, you know, you're going to get a football game. Don't, don't think, you know, it's going to be some cakewalk. So I think uh, there's been a lot of FBS teams that have been a little bit reluctant to put us on their schedule. They get, they better put a little bit more thought into that. I'd say I, I was so disappointed this year with the, all the COVID stuff that the Oregon game had to be canceled. Yeah. I was looking forward to that one. <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, I was ready to be there and was looking forward to, you know, to that game and witnessing that in person. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. What kind of pinched me moment was it to be a guest picker on College Game Day? Yeah, that was a fun one. You know, that whole how that all that transpired was kind of interesting. And um, you know, I, I I just yeah, it was a it was a fun day, obviously. But just leading up to that and even getting the call from well Sam Ponder called me and she said you know hey would you like to be our guest picker I was like yeah of course <laughs> I've watched college DM day ever since I could you know I was a little little person and uh and you know it's just fun to watch those guys have such a fun time on tv and Kirk and the crew and Corso and all those all those guys and um but yeah I mean I remember um just kind of hearing like Billy Bob Thornton was in the mix because they were taping the movie like Fargo the series on Netflix or whatever and so he was in the mix as just one of their one of their prospects and another one was like I think they were looking at Josh uh you know is it Demal I think oh yeah married you're talking about that yeah so he's kind of like an uh, you know actor and popular guy and I think like Miss North Dakota was in the mix. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not going to get called, you know? So they must have all been busy or something. Then they just had to kind of revert to me. But I had a great, a great time and um, definitely a memorable day. And this is fun to be a part of all of that. The festivities down there, of course. I mean, the first time they came, I was playing yeah. in the game and then um, finally was done and got to experience all that and be on set. But, um, but yeah, that was a fun um fun day and a, a fun memory to to look back on for sure you talked about the the culture of ndsu and mm-hmm. that it's it's different what what sets the bison culture apart from all the other programs out there that's a really hard question <laughs> and um you know it's it's asked a lot and there's a lot that goes into culture of course and it's truly from the top down 
you know, from the president of the university, you know, dean to the AD and, you know, the, the head coach, the coaching staff to the players and so on, right? And, um, you know, the, the first thing that always comes to my mind is um, nobody's bigger than the program. And I think we just find a way to attract just selfless people that, um, that are just willing to do whatever their role is to the best of their ability. And I think from the top down, Kelly, I truly feel like, um, you know, everybody just buys into that and they just buy into their specific role and they do it to the best of their ability, whether you're, you know, um, you know, whether you're, you're the, the backup long snapper or you're the starting quarterback or you're the starting corner or D end, whatever your role is, do it to the best of your ability. And um, I think we just are able to, yeah, just attract, you know, maybe it's not the five-star athletes or even three-star sometimes, you know, yeah. but they got, they got, uh, they got the five-star heart, you know, and, you know, I don't think, you know, that's a very underrated quality. Uh, you know, I, I personally feel like um, it's just, you know, how big your heart is and how, you know, how, what you're willing to kind of put aside and how dedicated you are and how, you know, um, how hard you're willing to work to accomplish something special. And I just think we are able to have that from the top down and kind of just have a true love for each other, like along the way. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that it's easy to talk about, but it's very hard to execute if you're a program or university, right? I mean, yeah, we want to establish a culture and we want to, you know, have that, you know, and, and I think a lot of places understand that that's important and that's, you know, but it's very hard to execute. And to get the pieces in play and to attract those kind of players and and um, and just kind of have what we have established. It's very hard to execute. And I think it's it's um, it's just something that kind of comes over time and something that you have to preserve well, too. You know, it's 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 been established long before I played long before, you know, um, the early 2000s or the 1990s or 80s or something. Right. I mean, it goes back a long way. And that's what we call bias and pride over at our university. And it runs deep. And it's and it's not going anywhere because it's been preserved for so long, and it continues to just be passed down to to each generation. And I think that's something that we've just been able to do really well over over anything else. And I I, I mean not to keep rambling on about it, but that's kind of the first thing that comes to my mind about you know our culture and maybe why you know how how we're separated in that regard. What's amazing to me, Brock, is just the level of success that that the Bison have been able to maintain despite having different coaches. I mean, you played for Craig Bull, but then there was Chris Kleiman and then obviously coach Entz now, and it's not the, there's been no drop off since. And I mean, what, what program out there, I mean, there's only a couple that come to mind and it's not even the same sport, but I think of UCLA, John Wooden's teams and all those championships, but what program out there in any sport has won eight, eight championships in the last nine years. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a crazy accomplishment and um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to just look back and fathom that that's, you know, that we're, that we're going on, you know, eight out of nine and, and um, yeah, it just speaks volumes to, you know, and, it, and it's a hard thing to do too. I mean, you have the X on your back, you know, after you win the first one, it's like, Hey, we got to take down the champs, <laughs> let alone, you know, the eight out of nine years. I mean, the X can't get any bigger, you know, on your back and, and to be able to, um, and then the hard part about that is, is just, you know, you're getting everybody's best. It doesn't matter what team you play. If you're supposed to, you know, 
if the odds in Vegas are, oh, you know, we're plus 55 and we're supposed to beat this team by 55, you have to, just because you're running out of the tunnel with the green and gold helmet on, doesn't mean that you're going to win by 55. You have to go out there and execute a game plan. You know what I mean? And all those things have to come together. And, and, and then to know that you're going to get everybody's best effort, you know, because it's their, you know, they're trying to take down the giant, you know, it's, and, and, and so, you know, they could lose every game of the year, but if they beat the Bison, you know, that's somewhat of a pretty big success. And that's just kind of where we're at now, you know, and it's, it's just kind of, you know, kind of what we built up to. And, and um, it really is difficult to, to win a championship, let alone stay on top that long. So, I mean, it speaks volumes again, like I said, to that culture aspect, but also to all these coaches that, you know, again, continue to preserve and the, and the athletes um, and the management, um, but that, that continue to preserve the culture and, you know, continue the excellence. I mean, this is a pretty, pretty crazy one, uh, crazy run that we're on and, uh, you know, we're still, we're still really in the midst of it. It's hard to have success in football without a good quarterback. You were a big part of sort of starting, I don't want to say this trend, but, you know, North Dakota State's kind of been come to be known as quarterback you. And you Amen. Know, you could say it started with, started with you possibly, and then obviously Carson Wentz, and then Easton Stick, and then most recently Trey Lance. But it's one thing to recruit a good quarterback, but, but why is North Dakota state able to develop their quarterbacks? Yeah, I think it speaks volumes to, um, to the coaching staff and the kind of, um, you know, the kind of offense that we're trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to have a specific identity and we're trying to bring guys that are, are good leaders that can, you know, um, just be the quarterback. You don't have to be the hero, right. And uh, just kind of play within the system um, and, and we've just been given good tools by our coaching staff. And I think the coaching staff has done a good job just recruiting guys that maybe fit that mold. And, and I think over anything, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, but, um, you know, we're not necessarily recruiting a five-star athlete, you know, gosh, Trey's an unbelievable athlete, but you know, was he a five-star coming out of high school? And I think he was pretty under the radar. He wasn't being really recruited at quarterback, you know, um, Carson, another one, you know what I mean? Super under the radar. Um, Easton stick under the radar and I wasn't even barely on the radar you know <laughs> and so I think, I think that you know uh, they're just looking at some intangibles and I think that's such an underrated thing you know when it comes to a quarterback yeah what are the some of their physical things that obviously matters but you know what are some of the intang intangibles that they bring to the table with leadership and you know what's what's under their fifth rib you know what's in that rib cage you know how big is that because that's what's going to matter and and people rally around that and, um, you know, if you're able to kind of wear your heart on your sleeve and, and show how much you love the game, you know, and, and are able to make some plays <laughs> physically, of course, um, yeah, I think that's just, you know, what NDSU has been able to do. And um, I think a lot of people get credit for that. Trey Lance just announced last night he's officially declaring for the NFL draft. As someone who has gone through that pre-draft process and, and visits and workouts, what advice would you have for him? I think just, uh, uh, you know, it's a great chance for him to work really hard and continue to hone in some of the specific skill set uh, a quarterback needs to, to be elite at the professional level, um, you know, with just mechanics and, you know, you can never be um, big enough, strong enough, fast enough kind of thing. And so he has another chance to um, really just dedicate a lot of time leading up to the draft 
to really just get better at all those things. And he'll have the top of the line coaching, um, you know, in his training leading up to the combine and, you know, um, and then being able to perform really well and show, you know, scouts and general managers and management that, you know, he's ready to lead a, an NFL team, um, you know, pretty, you know, pretty quickly too. So, um, you know, I, th I think, you know, as long as he uh, continues to work hard and just, um, you know, surround himself with good people that have his best interest, I think is very important. Um, really in any, any phase of life, that's important, but especially, you know, as a, as a young gun like Trey, I mean, shoot, he's declaring, uh, you know, as a sophomore in college, you know, from an FCS school, that's big time. And that's, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of things thrown at him, but, um, I, I truly think that he's got a great head on his shoulders and, um, you know, as long as he surrounds himself with the right people and, uh, I think he'll be just fine. I've heard you in the past talk about Bison strength coach, Jim Kramer, and how he taught you about accountability and specifically to have an accountability partner. Who do, mm -hmm. who do you lean on now as your accountability partner, as you chase a, a new career and new goals? That's a great question. And, um, Got to give the shout out to Coach Kramer in any interview. You know, he's the heart and soul of that whole deal over there, truly. I mean, he's, you know, he's the reason that uh, he's the heart, right? I mean, <laughs> he's pumping blood to the university into the football program, you know. <laughs> Love that guy to death. But, um, yeah, I mean, he he's a guy that, you know, really takes it, you know, um, that's entering college as a, you know, and you're a, you're a, you're a young man at that point. You're, you're not – you're not a man at that point. You're young. You're a young man. I'll give you that. You're maybe a young man, but you're not a man. And he teaches you how to become a man and um, in a lot of different ways. So big shout out to coach. But, um, but yeah, as far as to answer your question, accountability um, is, is huge, uh, you know, a huge part of just life and, and how to, you know, uh, coach bull always used the analogy, you know, to us, you're either green and growing or you're ripe and dying. And that's, that's, that's true, right? I mean, you have, a, you know, you have a new day every day that you're given to wake up and, and get a little bit better and whatever that looks like, right? Um, and so I think a big part of that is to have an accountability partner. And, um, you know, I, I definitely leverage just a lot of my coworkers. You know, it's cool to uh, um, speak a little bit about Edward Jones and how, you know, we're, we're kind of a big team, even though we have our own branch offices all over the place, but we're all working together. There's no competition. And so we're all, you know, kind of a, a big team and working together to, to help clients succeed, right? So um, I think that's a pretty cool just aspect. And just, you know, that's, you know, part of my Edward Jones teammates now are accountability buddies, whether it's saying, you know, um, you know, hey, you know, what are you doing right now to, you know, you know, progress, you know, and, and, with your, with your business and things like that. And, or, you know, Hey, what are you doing right now to stay, keep staying healthy? Right. Are you, what are you doing exercise wise? So I kind of got, you know, those accountability partners. And, and I think that's a big part of who we are too, as financial planners is we're accounted accountability partners in a lot of, and a lot of aspects kill, you know, just, um, you know, partnering with people on their journey to accomplish their goals and, and making sure they're doing the right things. Um, Cause as much as, you know, it's on us to, you know, strategy-wise to develop a plan, it's on them to, to do their part too, right? So it's accountability. It's coming together as a team. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just cool how, you know, sports teaches you a lot of that, you know, no matter what sport you're in. Um, 
you take with you a lot of things and, uh, and, and can uh, relate that to the real world and, you know, whether it's a business role or whatever you're doing. And so, you know, that accountability word is, is huge. And, you know, coach, coach Kramer definitely taught me and, and showed me what that word looked like. So I can now, uh, you know, continue it in my own, my own life. At last check, the Bison have 10 players that are on NFL rosters and, and playing. It seems mm-hmm. like right now every week it's a different Valley football alum that is making their mark in the league. Last yep. week it was Robert Tanyan, who played at Indiana yep. State with the Packers, three yep. touchdowns in, in that win. We talked about before we started this podcast, James Robinson, the running back from Illinois State, who was undrafted, and he was just named Rookie Offensive Player of the Month in the NFL and is tearing up the league for the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Why do you think we are seeing so many Valley football players having success now in the NFL? Like you said, it's now, you know, it's a, it's a conference that's on the map. You know, we're, we're attracting um, a lot of good talent, you know, and it's a, it's a lot of guys get overlooked, unfortunately, and, uh, you know, maybe end up at a, um, you know, at a program maybe they, they thought they weren't going to end up at. You know, maybe they're thinking they're going to go, you know, play at an FBS school, and, and they don't, right? And, um, you know, the Missouri Valley Conference is now, you know, a really good conference to play in from the top down. I mean, it's a deep league and it's, there's a lot of good teams and you better strap on, you know, the helmet and shoulder pads and, and buckle it up tight because, you know, in in the Valley, you're going to get, you know, good game after good game and there's no really weak opponent, but um, yeah, I just think it's overall, it's a good league and um, you know, guys, you know, take it very serious and it's, it's uh, you know, they're obviously, you know, whatever their background is, they're obviously trying to to do really well and maybe have a chance at the next level. And, um, you know, we're just starting to see, you know, a lot more um, MVC guys, you know, get their get their chance in the league. So it's pretty cool to, to, to see. Brock, what financial advice would you give to young college football players, regardless of whether or not they're going to play in the NFL? Just having a plan uh, in place and, um, you know, just making sure that, uh, you know, whether you're saving up for the first purchase of, you know, if it's uh, if you're saving for a ring for your future wife or uh, if it's a car or whatever that is to um, to follow, follow a plan toward that and, and make sure that, um, you know, your your spending habits are kind of in line and um, starting out small with that, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe it's contributing to a, you know, a retirement account as soon as you have, you know, your first job and, um, just, you know, definitely um, putting away the things necessary in order to reach whatever goal that you have and um, just being smart about it and, um, you know, being a good steward of your money. You get to actually go to Bison football games now as, as fans and be on the other side of it. What do you mm-hmm. enjoy most about going to tailgates in, in a normal yeah. situation where we're not in COVID protocol and the fans are allowed? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think, um, meeting new people, a lot of, you know, it's fun to just interact with people that, you know, were supporting you throughout the years, you know, the fan base over there and, um, and them just being able to kind of see you as a regular person, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm no different than anybody else. You know, I could throw a spiral, you know, other than that, I'm pretty much just like everybody else kind of thing. And just being able to develop new relationships and laugh and, you know, we're all wearing the, the green and gold and, and have that's all you need in common over there in the tailgate lot you know so 
um, yeah, and just obviously seeing guys that I've played with and seeing, you know, all the other, you know, generations of players that, you know, laid the foundation over there and, and uh, just being able to kind of whoop it up with them, you know, it's pretty fun. The tailgates, have they lived up to the billing and all the, the reputation uh, that you heard? Yeah, and you know what? They were talked up for so long. All I heard about it for four years was how great the tailgate is, and it's just unbelievable. It's better than any pro experience. I'm like, yeah, okay, I know. I know Bison fans, they're, they're crazy. I know that. <laughs> but uh, you know what? It's actually lived up to all that hype too, which is crazy because the hype was bigger than <laughs> and higher than ever, and I would say it did live up to it, and it's just a fun time, you know, to – to kind of just share and um, to just share a fun time with everybody and come together and and uh, cheer on the boys. When you when you think about everything overall that's just happened over the last six months with COVID, how how weird is it to get your head wrapped around just what it must be like to be a college football player right now? Yeah, you know, I was talking to a couple, um, my, you know, a couple teammates that I that actually live in my neck of the woods. And um, we were talking about that not too long ago and just how hard it would be to, you know, to work, you know, as hard as you, hard as you do. And obviously, you know, come off a championship and you're just, you're wanting to repeat and you're wanting to, you know, whether it's, you know, the NESU program or not, it's just college football in general, all these players, I mean, we're all, they're all, they're on the same boat. And it's very difficult. You know, I mean, you, you pour so much dedication and time into, you know, your seasons and you take it very serious and and to kind of have that stripped is is tough that's a tough pill to swallow and you know i'm um yeah my heart goes out to those guys you know it, it really does and um you know what uh football will some uh will, will come back whether it's in the spring or whether it's next fall however it ends up playing uh playing out and you know there will be football again so i just say to those every guy you know that's in that position and, and having to wait just hang in there you know hang in there football will be back you know so yeah fingers crossed it's in the spring (laughs) yeah right it's good to catch up with you and uh thank you for reminiscing taking taking a trip down memory lane it it was fun and you were obviously a a big part of of where this program is at now which is awesome to see and wishing all the best to you and to kayla and to frisco hey i appreciate that so much thanks kelly Tune in next week for another episode of Valley Football First and Goal with Kelly Bird, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference, only on the lineupmedia.fm network. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere you get your podcasts. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.